0: Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week we are celebrating TV in a big way because the Emmys are being handed out this
1: weekend. I'm Jeff Braun. One of our favorite shows, Brooklyn 99, said goodbye this week, so we'll talk about finales. Plus. It's also
0: a big week for Fall TV. Lots of new and returning shows coming your way.
1: But first, yes, the Emmy Awards will be handed out on Sunday, and the comedy Ted Lasso is one of this year's most celebrated shows.
0: This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose, all tie. Right, y'all do ties here. Yeah, See that? He must be from England, yeah. (laughs) Wales, is that another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. Four. I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. No, thank you.
1: Welcome to England. Ted Lasso has 20 Emmy nominations, including one for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series for Jason Sudeikis. It's a record for comedy, 20 nominations, and it's expected to be one of the big winners. The Emmys will be held Sunday night on CBS and CTV, hosted by Cedric the Entertainer. And it's an in-person event, albeit with reduced attendance thanks to the pandemic. It's a weird year. Like a lot of other award shows, the pandemic threw off a lot of schedules, so a lot of the recurring shows that are usually nominated simply aren't there this year because they didn't air any new episodes. Things like Better Call Saul, Succession, Stranger Things. I've literally seen one of the nominated dramas, The Mandalorian, and none of the comedies doing a little better in the limited series category. We'll get to that in a bit. But in the last 10 years, the number of nominated shows watched, I think for most of us, has kept dwindling as there are simply more and more shows to choose from. You can't watch everything. I do recall years ago, more so with the Oscars and the Emmys, where I'd hear a lot of, you know, I haven't seen any of the nominees, but meantime I'd seen most of them. And now I'm right there having not seen hardly any of the nominees, even though I do watch a lot of TV. But again, it's been a weird year. Last year, of course, was the year that Shit's Creek swept the comedy category. That still feels like a mighty impressive feat, what they did. But that show is wrapped up, so it's time for a new champ. And there's no Marvelous Mrs. Maisel this year. She's won a couple of times before as well. So it does look like in the comedy category, it'll be Ted Lasso, which is up against Blackish, Cobra Kai, Pen15, Emily in Paris, Hacks. The Flight Attendant and the Kaminsky Method. And Brett, I know you've seen at least two of those. So (laughs) you're the authority on comedy this year because I haven't seen any of them.
0: And it is, in fact, only two. And one of them, only one of them in its entirety, that would be Cobra Kai. And I really love that show, but I think its first season was probably its strongest. I just started watching Ted Lasso because I just got Apple TV Plus last week because I mentioned that Come From Away. The musical based on the 7,000 passengers stranded in Gander because of the airspace shutdown after the 9 11 attacks. So I got Apple TV Plus. By the way, come from away, amazing. I did just as I said I would. I cried a lot. It is spectacular. So I enjoyed that. And then I thought, well, since I got Apple TV Plus, I might as well check out Ted Lasso. I've only watched three episodes. And one of the things that I had read previously was that it's just this, like, really happy, positive, optimistic show. Like, yeah, bad things happen in the show, but his character, he's so pleasant and likable and charming, almost bordering on unlikable. Like, I think we all know somebody who's so happy that you can't stand them. But in his case, he's charming, and he's just... Irresistible, Like it's impossible not to like him and his outlook and the lessons he teaches. It just, he, he brings up the room and in a world full of dark shows, like dark shows are great, but not everything has to be dark. So it's kind of nice to have this. Just positive show that's also really good, which also was born out of just a a silly Super Bowl commercial back in 2013. So good for them for transforming that, which was a hilarious commercial. But to take that concept and turn it into a brilliant show, kudos to them. So I think it's a slam dunk. I have wanted to watch The Flight Attendant. Um, Not really interested in the other shows. So lol. Uh
1: yeah, I got I will get to Ted Lasso at some point too. I'm I'm still trying to resist adding another uh, subscription for a streaming service to, you know, the monthly drainage of my bank account, but I'm sure eventually Apple gets you in the end one way or another eventually. It's just going to happen sooner or later. I have almost watched The Kaminsky Method a bunch of times on Netflix because I like everybody in it because it's Alan Arkin and it's Michael Douglas and I love Michael Douglas, but I just haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, so I'll have to get to that eventually. They're nominated every year, because I think just because those guys are in it. So that's comedy. Moving over to the Best Drama Series. The nominations are The Boys, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, Pose, The Handmaid's Tale, and This Is Us. Uh, Like I said, I've only seen The Mandalorian, and I would sort of suspect The Crown is going to win. It's won before, and it seems like a safe choice. The Emmys sort of rarely do anything too out there, not like the Golden Globe. So if I was putting money on it, I'd say The Crown. Brett, I know you've seen a bunch of these shows. What do you think?
0: Okay, so I have seen The Boys. I love The Boys. Amazon Prime Video. Superhero show, but it's uh, not your typical superhero show. The superheroes are corporate jerks. Very well done. Great visual effects. And it flips the superhero genre on its head. So I really dig that show. The Crown, I did uh, watch that. I sort of had myself a little binge ahead of season four because I hadn't watched any of it, but season four was quite buzzy because it was the first season with Princess Di. And uh, I really enjoyed that, although I liked the first two seasons versus uh, seasons three and four. The Mandalorian. Of course, I love The Mandalorian. It was my favorite show of 2020. What a tremendous series. Amazing finale. And uh, yeah, that was great. Have Not Seen Lovecraft Country. That's on uh, HBO slash Crave, I believe. Pose. And it's been canceled. Oh, goody. Okay. Um, Pose, <laughs> that's on FX, I believe. Uh, haven't seen that. The Handmaid's Tale gave up on that after the first season because I watched yep. the first couple episodes of season two and I thought, God, this is miserable, and it's just so hard to watch. Not to say that it's not good, but it was just too much for me. I might go back to that one day. And then This Is Us, another show. I, ha- I actually I watched the first episode of season three of This Is Us, and uh, I was going through some personal stuff at the time, and I thought I can't watch a show about uh, about the perfect couple. So I just I've been recording it on my <laughs> PVR. But I haven't gotten back to it, so because it's piling up. So I do want to get back to that, though, because it is a good show. And I, I loved the first couple of seasons. Or maybe it was season four that I bailed. I don't know. I don't even know where they are anymore in that show. I just know I have like 25 episodes to watch.
1: There you go. You know, Pose is a show that I only ever hear about at awards time. I've never once in my life heard anyone talk about that show. I, I think you said it was on FX. I guess that's where I would go to find it. But... Now, pose just seems like a thing that just shows up at awards time and I don't even know what it is. So moving on to limited series. Uh, i seen a bunch of these. Okay, there's Mayor of Easttown, I May Destroy You, WandaVision, the Queen's Gambit, and the Underground Railroad. I've seen the WandaVision, the Queen's Gambit, and the Underground Railroad. Probably the Queen's Gambit, I think, will win just because the Emmys are conventional and predictable and it's won all these other awards and stuff. Uh, maybe Mare of Easttown has a shot, though. That was a pretty big deal. And Kate Winslet is very highly regarded by everyone. My vote, of course, would go to the Underground Railroad, but I bet a lot of Emmy voters didn't even watch it because of the very heavy subject matter, so they're missing out on that. And uh, I think that one just seems like it's too heavy and too dark to really get a lot of uh, buzz going about it. So I would look for uh, the Queen's Gambit here. What do you think about this one, Brett?
0: I think you're probably right. The Queen's Gambit should likely emerge victorious, not just because it was excellent, but it was a genuine cultural phenomenon. Like everybody was watching the Queen's Gambit. Millions and millions of people. It triggered, it relaunched worldwide excitement in the game of chess, uh, so anything that can do that, I think is great because it's a great game. And it was, it was such a well done show, uh, well-performed, well shot. It was a beautiful show. And, uh, it's the, the kind of thing that you didn't have to understand the game of chess to enjoy the show. And it actually helped you understand the game of chess a little bit. So I think that's probably it, but could be Mare and I may destroy you. Also could be the, uh, could be a dark horse here. Uh, because that's a pretty serious, uh, serious show as well, which uh, I have wanted to watch. But
1: again, you made the comment, can't watch everything. Nope. So everything's got a chance in that category, except for WandaVision, I think. Otherwise, I don't think we'd be terribly surprised by a winner there. So yeah, those are the big three categories for the Emmys. And they're going to be handed out Sunday night. And we may or may not uh, revisit a bit on mon- or next week, depending on what happens this Sunday night.
0: And in a moment, we're going to tell you what's new on TV this week. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Fall TV preview time. This is exciting to be able to rattle off a bunch of shows that are coming, that are new, that are returning. Just a quick reminder of what's new this weekend. So debuting uh, debuted Friday, September seventeenth. Family Law, new series on Global, on Apple TV Plus, The Morning Show season two, and on Netflix. One I'm really excited about, Sex Education, season three. The first two seasons have been among my favorite shows of the last couple of years. Sunday, September 19th, something special on PBS: Muhammad Ali four-night Ken Burns docu series. He was bigger
1: than boxing. I am the greatest. He was larger than life. His magnetism just was amazing. Who is this guy? was a revolutionary. He was a groundbreaker. Well,
0: ain't nobody gonna stop me. Ken Burns captures an intimate story of victory, defeat, and determination.
1: The price of freedom comes high. I have paid, but I am free.
0: Muhammad Ali. Only on PBS. So that's on Sunday, September 19th. Also on Sunday, the finale for the first season of Fantasy Island on Global. On Monday, September 20th, we've got The Neighborhood Season 4 on Global. We've got 911 Season 5 on Global. Also on Global, NCIS Season 19. And a new series, we've got NCIS. Hawaii! September 26.
1: Jane Tenet, Special Agent in Charge in CIS Hawaii.
0: The world's most successful television series is heading to Pearl Harbor.
1: You'd think I'd be past needing a caffeine fix by now. As
0: long as we have kids, we're never going to be past needing a caffeine fix.
1: When anyone on my team gets in trouble, I'm the first call. Better wait. So you haven't had the pleasure of my We Work as a Team speech, but you can get the bullet points.
0: In CIS Hawaii, two night premiere event September 26th and 27th on Global. Sent your PBR, also available on Stack TV. Yes, that's right. I said that debut's on the 20th, but it debuts on CBS on the 20th on Global September 26th. But then I suspect this is going to move to Mondays on Global starting on the 27th because of Global's uh, election coverage on Monday, September 20th. We've also got Dancing with the Stars season 30, The Voice season 21, Bob Hart's Abishol, uh, season 3, and then a new show on Fox called The Big Leap. And this one actually looks pretty cool. It's a show about second chances, chasing your dreams, taking back, back what's yours. It revolves around a group of diverse underdogs from all different walks of life and demographics. They compete to be a part of a, a, a competition reality series that's doing a modern version of Swan Lake. So I watched the trailer. looks pretty funny. looks pretty touching, and it's inspired by the UK series Big Ballet. So that might be worth at least a peek, especially if you enjoy any of those competition reality series. I always like when uh, they do fictional versions of these reality shows. Uh, there's also one more new show on Monday, September 20th, called Ordinary Joe on NBC. What if you could see all the things your life could be? Makes you wonder, what if? Can, that be Can you believe we made him? Is it possible that we've met before?
1: Ordinary Joe, Mondays this fall on NBC.
0: So this series centers on a guy named Joe Kimbrough as he makes a pivotal, life-changing decision at his college graduation. And it follows him on three parallel timelines. So it's almost like Marvel's multiverse here. So we get to follow him on timeline one as a police officer, following in his father's footsteps, as a music star, following his passion, or as a nurse after he marries his love. So that's an interesting concept. Um, So that's on Monday. On Tuesday, September 21st, this is a star-studded lineup for Global. So you've got FBI season four, FBI Most Wanted season three, a new FBI show, FBI International, and then season four of New Amsterdam. So that's a Rockstar Night for Global Uh, The Resident Season 5 is also back on Tuesday and then a new show on CBS called Our Kind of People that one looks pretty good but this is the one we're excited about on Wednesday, September 22nd and I'm just going to let this music go for a second and enjoy it
1: Yeah! Survivor! I'm so excited Mr. Braun absolutely it, it is by far the thing i have missed the most from tv since the pandemic began it's the one show that uh, was really a bummer it hasn't been on in the last year and a half
0: so let's get a preview of survivor 41 go survivor 41
1: is almost here and it's a monster this is a very dangerous situation. With game-changing twists you've never seen before.
0: This season is the most
1: different ever. This is what I want to do. This is what I was made for. It's harder, faster, and more fun. It's the most insane thing I've ever done in my life. Dangerous fun.
0: Survivor new season, Wednesday on Global. Set your PVR. also available on Stack TV. Apparently it's just going to be, the seasons are just going to be numbered moving forward. So Survivor 41, Survivor 42. (laughs) Uh, So that's back on Wednesday. Super exciting. Also, we've got Chicago Med Season 7, Masked Singer Season 6, The Goldbergs Season 9, and a new one on ABC that might sound a little familiar.
1: What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? It's the little things that you remember all your life Your first hit Your first kiss
0: The first time your dad lets you know that he sees you Well, I still hadn't had the other two But boy, did that third one feel good The Wonder Years, voiced this time by Don Cheadle. Of course, you might remember the show with uh, Little Fred Savage in the 80s. Uh, Just very quickly here... New show on Alter, on Fox called Alter Ego. It's a dumb singing show where you sing as a computer avatar. Looks stupid. Uh, the Conners Season 4, Home Economics Season 2, Chicago PD Season 9, A Million Little Things Season 4. And then on Thursday, we've got Doom Patrol Season 3 on Crave, a couple of Law & Order shows, and then some big ones coming on Friday, September 24th, and we'll tell you about those next week on The Couch Potatoes. Hey, by the way, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, Hees. Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Just want to quickly mention, uh, I just sort of had to rip through the end of that uh, Fall TV preview segment, but Alter Ego on Fox. So it's a singing show where the singers perform for these judges but they're only seen as computer-generated virtual avatars performing for the judges via motion capture technology. Jeff uh, had a good rant about this last week, which was really funny. <laughs> the judges include Grimes, Will Am, Nick Lachey, and Alanis Morissette. And I can't help but wonder, because it was just revealed a couple of days ago that Alanis, she has blasted this documentary that's made about her Jagged is what it's called debuting at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's an HBO documentary. So she came out and ripped it saying this isn't the film that she signed up for. But I can't help but wonder if this is all just a a clever stunt to bring more attention to the film Jagged. And to bring more attention to her, just as she happens to be the judge of a brand new show making its debut just a few days after the controversy. So I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all, Jay Braun.
1: You you think she's got one hand in your pocket, Brett? Oh come on! You ought to know she's uh, (laughs) up to no good. But you live, you learn. This, uh, this uh, alter ego show, I'm not head over feet about it, but uh, we'll maybe give it a chance. Isn't it ironic that uh, these two things would coalesce like that? There you go. That's such a good album. I'm reading these album titles. Oh, my God. That, she had so many good songs on that album. <laughs> yeah, It was a tremendous album, especially when you
0: uh, – do you remember her earlier work when she did just pop music? She had a so, so, not So she had a song called Walk Away – her first single was called "Too Hot," but I think her second single—it was either her second or third—was called "Walk Away." And Joey from Friends was in that video. Matt LeBlanc was in that video. So, if you can find that, he's in
1: a, he's in a Bon Jovi video too. He's in the. Oh, yeah? the song is called "Miracle" from the Blaze of Glory soundtrack that John Bon Jovi. did. Oh wow! So yeah, I think he was like a model before he was Joey. He was so in a those Heinz are catch up the, the commercial too. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't. You must have done a lot of commercials. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Yeah, those are the premieres that are coming in the next week, but a show ended this week. We've got to talk a little bit about that and talk about some finales in general. Brooklyn Nine-Nine came to an end after eight terrific seasons.
0: If this is to be our last ride, then let us go out in a blaze of glory. Nine-Nine! Celebrate the Nine-Nine's, Nine-Nine's grand Nine-Nine! finale. Blaze of glory.
1: Blaze of glory.
0: The one-hour series finale, Thursday on NBC.
1: Well, we're all talking about Blaze of Glory. There you go. The final episode (laughs) aired Thursday night, but we actually haven't seen it yet because we're recording this Thursday afternoon, but we still wanted to talk about finales because for whatever reason, a lot of stock is put into them as though all the seasons and years before the finale means nothing if that last episode isn't any good. And honestly, finales almost never live up to the hype that is put on them, which is a shame. And I mean the hype is the shame. The expectations are just too high. People think that after, you know, enjoying a show for a number of years that it's Suddenly, going to find some new gear and just blow our minds with the way it wraps up its story, which is kind of a ridiculous notion. And in hindsight, I often find that the "quote unquote" disappointing finales that made everyone mad—they're—they're they're fine. People just don't like when their shows ended. They take it out on the finale because, I mean, you're not really excited to watch a finale. You're sad because the show, you know, is ending and this is the last one. So you're just starting from a bad place. And that's hard for an episode of television to overcome, no matter how good it might be. And no finale is ever really the height of the show because it's such a weird thing that they're trying to do anyways. I can't remember who said it, but one of the showrunners of some show I liked in the past 15 years uh, said that you know, television casts and crews spend the life of the show's run trying to come up with ideas and ways to keep the show going. All their energy is put into keeping the show on the air so the finale is this completely different animal that they've not had to deal with before because it's how to end a show and they've been trying to keep a show alive so they don't really know what to do anyways. And honestly, for most shows, you know, they should just throw out the pilot, throw out the finale. They rarely reflect the real nature of the shows. If you said what's your, you know, five favorite episodes of whatever show, the first one and the last one probably aren't on it. And I have made up a list of some big finales we could take a look at here, Brett. Uh, Seinfeld, the Seinfeld finale had its moments, and I like the idea of it, but it's not really an episode of Seinfeld. It's this different thing where they had this trial that they were all into. Uh, the third last episode of Seinfeld I feel is the real finale because that was sort of the last regular episode of the show. So the finale was a glorified clip show and the characters didn't even talk a whole lot because they were just on trial and it was everyone else talking about them. It was weird. The Sopranos, I think, is largely to blame for our modern lionization of finales. It had that weird, ambiguous ending, the cut the black, and suddenly every time a show was ending, people expected something major to happen. Most shows just want to wrap up their existing storylines, but thanks to the Sopranos, audiences think there ought to be some new major twists thrown in. And, you know, besides the very last scene in that Sopranos finale, what else even? happened in that episode i have no idea it was 14 years ago i can't recall i'm sure i'm not the only one who can't recall breaking bad that had a pretty good finale but it wasn't the highlight of the final season the third last episode ozymandias was the episode where nearly everything major really went down and the last two episodes were the followed from that and i think that's the way to go if you have to choose a model that's the one to go with why have all the stuff happen in the final hour and then have nowhere to go to deal with any of it. Have it happen with two hours left so you can deal with it and uh, the audience can deal with it as well with you. The Friends and Office finales were big deals, but generally ending a sitcom is a little easier because there aren't a lot of dramatic storylines that usually need wrapping up. Often, you know, they have characters move on to the next chapter of their lives. The Friends all grew up and, Married off and became parents and just couldn't spend all their spare time together. The Office had, you know, the built-in conceit of the documentary from the beginning. So the finale revolved around that, as well as Dwight and Angela's weddings. And, you know, weddings are common sitcom finale scenarios. So that was good stuff. But, of course, the bar is a little bit lower for that, for sitcoms. And then uh, Lost. I mean, that's the one that ticked off more people than the Sopranos finale. And it really suffered from too much hype. Beforehand, I liked it, especially the sideways world reveal and the capper of the whole series in that church scene, which was just beautiful. Some of the on-island stuff felt a little clunky at the end. And I actually had more problems with a couple of the episodes right before the finale. They killed some characters in a really mean way to the audience. And by the showrunner's admission, they only did that so we would be prepared for anyone to die in the finale. And then there weren't any real shocking deaths in the finale. So that was just dumb. And there's, there's just a submarine thing in the third last episode that was just brutal. But again, just because the ending wasn't 100% doesn't mean the whole show was ruined. I would never trade the six years I had watching Lost. It was fun and exciting. And unlike any other viewing experience I've ever had, if you hate, hate, hated the finale, I would recommend rewatching all of Lost. And uh, you'll see how much fun it still is. And I suspect you won't be so sour on the finale the second time around uh but then on the other hand there's a show a sitcom how i met your mother that ended really poorly because that whole show was about you know how i met your mother and then they tried to rejigger it at the end they kind of changed the rules on themselves and it upset a lot of people and it was kind of dumb and it just it just left a sour taste in my mouth and i i've never i've honestly never gone back to watch an episode of that show in Afterwards in reruns or on Netflix or anything like that. So, that one is a case where the finale may have actually spoiled the show for me. But whether a show has a good finale or a bad one, you know, it is always a bummer when one of your favorite shows ends. And that was certainly the case for us this week, Brett, with Brooklyn Nine Nine.
0: Solid list of finales here, man. And a great yeah. uh, sort of breakdown. I have been meaning to rewatch Lost. I guess that's on Disney Plus now because that's an ABC show, right?
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, it's also on Blu-ray at my house at any time.
0: Oh yeah, and did you get a fancy collector's <laughs> box where it's like a puzzle? Got, or what?
1: Yeah, no, it looks like the little, it's like the pyramid brick kind of thing. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, All I right. honestly can't remember why. It's been a while since I've seen it. I got to rewatch it this winter.
0: And I have the Breaking Bad Blu-ray set. My mom got it for me as a as a Christmas gift. I just made an offhand comment one day, like, "Oh, I gotta I gotta get that series." So she went out and got me the collector's kit, and it comes in uh, like those those barrels that they use to dispose of their you know their. <laughs> their leftovers, yeah, yeah, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, so it's exactly. a neat little case, and it it, it slides open. Uh, you you sort of open it in half, and then each disc is on a separate little tray that sort of slides in and out. So it's a really neat little box. So that alone should be motivation enough to go back and re-watch Breaking Bad. The Sopranos finale, I remember at the time being, I think, upset, but over time, uh, I have grown to appreciate that because... It doesn't mean the story's over. It just means the show's over. Like we don't, you don't necessarily see the rest of their lives. We just the, the moment yeah. in time that they chose to show us, or the moments in time has finally come to an end. But yeah, it looked like something bad was about to happen. So did they? Did they live? Did they die? I think it was just going to carry on. And uh, the music that they used. I mean, they they brought they single handedly brought back "Don't Stop." for years to come I, I still I can't I feel like if that song went away forever uh, I I it wouldn't be soon enough
1: Yeah and like is that I think that is legitimately the lasting legacy of the Sopranos I mean it is one of the all-time great shows but what that did for that journey song is I've never heard of a TV show doing anything for a piece of music like The Sopranos did for that song.
0: All right, so in a moment we are going to talk about a new TV show we're very excited about and I can't believe I'm saying this but we are going back to the Butlerverse. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we got our first look this week at the next Marvel TV series debuting in November on Disney Plus. Jeremy Renner is back as Hawkeye. This is the first Christmas we've had together in years.
0: I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past has caught up with me.
1: Should we be worried? No,
0: no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas.
1: I promise. Hawkeye is by far my least favorite Avenger at this point. Not that there's anything wrong with him. He's just less interesting than the others. But I got to say, his stock is already rising in my eyes just based on the trailer for this show. Family Man Hawkeye is great, and that's how it starts here, as we heard. But it doesn't take long for the bad guys to interrupt his Christmas vacation in New York. One of the things the family goes to, by the way, is something called Rogers the Musical, which looks like a Broadway musical about Captain America. At any rate, Hawkeye drawn back into action. And now that he doesn't have Black Widow to team up with, he finds himself thrown in with a new ally. You're a Hawkeye. Who the hell are you? Some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer. Are
0: you one of those people?
1: It's the most
0: wonderful. Hey, babe, I should be back in a day or two. <laughs> Hang on a second. With the jingle baron, Things have gotten more complicated. It's we
1: That's Haley Steinfeld as another expert archer. Her name is Kate Bishop, and I'm guessing if you're up on your Marvel comics, that means something. The rest of us will have to wait and see. The trailer is mostly them fighting thugs in New York, and it looks like tremendous fun. The other MCU Disney Plus shows have been good to great so far, and while I think we both ranked Loki as number one, I think this looks even better. It's just straightforward, real-world action stuff in New York City as opposed to all the crazy time and space travel of Loki or the bizarre world created in WandaVision. And it's a Christmas show to boot. It all also stars Florence Pugh, Vera Farmiga, and Brian Darcy James. If you don't recognize that name, he was the guy in Spotlight that was not Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, or Rachel McAdams. Again, Hawkeye looks great from the trailer. We'll find out how good it really is November 24th when it debuts on Disney Plus. This is
0: too dangerous. Definitely not this one. You'll have
1: to see definitely like that. Holy there are arrows more dangerous than that one? some Christmas. Looking forward to
0: Hawkeye, Brett. Yeah, it looks fun. I And I, I didn't know the tone of the show was going to be so lighthearted because yeah. the character was so dark in Avengers Endgame. So I, th- I think it's kind of nice that they, they've gone with this much lighter route. And Haley Steinfeld, anytime she turns up in anything, she's great. You know, she was
1: she was nominated for an Oscar, right? For True Grit. So... Uh, I believe so yeah she was terrific in that Coen Brothers movie so yeah that's Hawkeye out November 24th and uh, much more coverage on the couch potatoes I'm sure once we start seeing a couple episodes of that couple of new movies to talk about this weekend quickly Clint Eastwood has a movie called Cry Macho he's the star of it in addition to directing it back when we had winners I was afraid to lose you to the competition five times you won the All-American that was a long time ago wasn't it That was before the accident, before the booze. You know how many people told me to just cut you loose? You going to say anything? Howard,
0: I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man.
1: But you know, there's no reason to be rude. Pretty sure I thought Gran Torino would be the last time we saw Clint on screen, but that was 13 years ago, and Clint's still cooking at age 91. In this movie, Cry Macho, Clint plays a retired rodeo star who has to go down to Mexico to bring back that other guy's son. You owe me, Mike. You gave me your word. And that used to mean something. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico.
0: We want me to go down there and kidnap
1: him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. And he goes down there, finds the kid, yada, yada, yada. They bond and whatnot. And uh, honestly, it sounds like a retread of Gran Torino, but that sounds good for me. I'm still up for anything with Clint Eastwood. And the other new movie this weekend, a new entry in the Butlerverse, as Gerard Butler stars in Cop Shop.
0: I'm invisible. That's where I'm going to be. But I got heat all over me. I'm not telling you where I am. What are you going to arrest me? What do you people please arrest me? You're under arrest. So why were you looking to get locked up, Theodore? Everyone's trying to kill me. He nearly
1: killed us. What'd you do? I did what I had to do to get to you, Teddy. Legendary Bob Vidick. You're a psychopath. I'm a professional. If you pissed off the wrong people, I'm gonna kill you. Drop that gun. No one kills anyone in here. Butler and Toby Huss play hitmen who try to kill Frank Grillo, who thinks he's safe in prison. And it turns out he's not so safe. So I think it's all set in this police station. And it looks like a lot of fun. It's actually at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, Brett. So I'm looking forward to this one. So a couple of good movies I'm going to go see in the theater this week. And I'll report back next week with how good they actually are.
0: And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember to subscribe to the podcast if listening to this on the radio. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.